0: I want to know God better. Someone this morning said, well, Pastor, you know the Bible uh, front to back. There is so much in this book I'm still trying to grab a hold of. There is so much truth that is there. Uh, And all of us should be in a position where we desire to learn more. You know, Deb and I have been married 35 years. And I can anticipate a lot. But there are some things I just don't get. All right? You know what I'm saying? And here when we we look at our relationship with God, how can we, who are finite, think that we know God well enough when he's infinite? Just grab a hold of that for a second. I remember when we were uh, preparing for the new build, and uh, we went to PG&E and told them we needed uh, some more power, and they were like, "We're not giving you any until you put your own switchgear on campus, and you've got to uh, have your own, po- basically your own uh, uh, switchgear." And uh, so we ended up going through to uh, put in this new uh, switchgear system for the all the the power that we were going to need and they handed me a book no joke it is this big and they just call it the green book and in that green book are all of the rules that we were going to be held accountable to as we were putting a new system in and i remember going to that book and thinking what am i going to do with this There's just so much there. There is no way that I'm going to be able to assimilate all of that information. Now, praise the Lord, I only needed to get sections of it, uh, and that was a help. Uh, But uh, when we come to God's Word, we have a God who is infinite, and we have a book that He has given to us that reveals to us who He is. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. But the reality is, he will only have a relationship with you if you want one. Draw nigh to God and. He will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to God. And He will draw nigh to you. You know, if Deb and I, we've been married 35 years, but if I just stopped talking to her, how good would that relationship be? I would be talking soon because I'd be saying, ow, ow, ow. (laughs) But God doesn't do that. God says I'm here and I want to have a relationship with you. But will we enter into that relationship? This thing called prayer. Jesus was a man of prayer. Amen. Don't get quiet on me already. I haven't even started. Jesus was a man of prayer. He, God, in the flesh, talked with God in the heavens. How much more should we who are not deity reveal our necessity, our need, of Him in our life. Not only our need of Him, but there should be a desire to want to be with Him. There should be a desire. There are people that may, may be a part of our life, and uh, there's interaction. It's not that you like or dislike, it's just, but there's interaction and no, no, no harm, no foul. If they weren't there, it really wouldn't make much of a difference to your life. But there are people that are in your life, I hope, that they are vital to your existence. They're vital to your well-being as a person. Now, the Lord should be that way in our life. He should be that way. And so here we find the Lord in, in John chapter, uh, or Luke chapter 11, and he is praying. And as he goes through and as he is praying, we find the disciples observing it. Now, a disciple was a follower of Christ. Are we followers of Christ this morning? Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we are a follower of Christ, we should observe what Jesus did and we should go and do that likewise. Amen. And these disciples were watching what the Lord was doing. And Jesus was not too preoccupied with life to pray. He was not too busy working and eking out an existence. He wasn't too busy with all of that to pray. Now, the Lord didn't have a life of leisure while he was here. The Bible tells us in Matthew 8, 20, And Jesus saith unto them, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus did not live a lavish existence. and When he came, he had to survive. He had to eat. He had physical needs that needed to be cared for Yet, that did not overcome the desire he had to spend time with God. So let's look again at Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, when we look at John, the Bible tells us that John, as a man, was a very special man. He was not only the forerunner of Christ, uh, but Jesus said in Matthew eleven eleven, 11, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, uh, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. And so here we find that, that spiritual people Prayed. Jesus prayed. Was he spiritual? Absolutely. John the Baptist, the greatest born among women, was John the Baptist. And Jesus said that he was great. Yet we find John praying. John not only prayed, but John's disciples, the followers that John had, he taught them how to pray. And now Jesus' followers, his disciples look at him and said, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray. What What does that mean? That means that there are things about prayer that we don't just innately know. you know, prayer isn't natural, is it? Have you ever bowed a knee to pray and what am I going to say? Some of you are just looking at me. You must not have prayed. What am I going to talk about? What am I going to bring before God? And I think probably one of the greatest reasons why people do not pray is because of their insecurity. How am I going to come before God? What will I say? What if he doesn't answer? Anybody ever felt like God didn't answer a prayer? Let me tell you, he has answered every prayer. Some of them, he answered no. Well, I prayed and God didn't answer my prayer. No, he answered your prayer. He just didn't answer the way you wanted him to answer your prayer. Sort of like as parents, our kids will come to us and they will want something. And as a parent, you look at it and say, no. Are you kidding? I'm not doing that. God's smarter than we are. We're not going to give our children something that is going to hurt them. You know, God knows what will help us and he knows what will hurt us. Sometimes that answer is no. Sometimes that answer is not now. Not now. That waiting. We look in and we find a word in the Bible called importunity. And it is because of much begging, much pleading. Sometimes, God, I think God knows that if he gives it to us right away, we'll get it and we'll be gone. And we won't come back to talk to him again. Have you ever prayed for something and he gave you what you prayed for? And later you thought, did I even say thank you? I've been there. And sometimes he just gives us what we ask him right away. But prayer is something that we all need. It's that intimate relationship with God it's not the pastor that's the only one that can have that. It is every child of God, every one of us, we can have that relationship. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject, prayer is an action, not an idea. Prayer is an action, not an idea. I think too often to most Christians, prayer is just merely an idea. Oh yeah, I believe in prayer. But it's not something that we do. It's something we talk about. It's something we hear somebody else talk about. But it's not something that is real in our personal life. And so I've got 43 points, 12 sub-points, No, I don't. But I do have eight points this morning. I'm going to have to hasten, so you have to listen well, okay? Otherwise, we're going to be here forever. Just kidding. So let's pray together. Father, I do pray that you'd bless now. Help us in this great area of prayer. Help us, Lord, to walk with you. Help us, Lord, to grow in this area of our faith, our trust that relationship that you have made available to us. Help us to know you better. Help us to walk with you. And I pray that you'd bless now each person here this morning, for Christ's sake, amen. Prayer, it's, a, it's an action, it's not an idea. Uh, the word here is, uh, it is a word uh, that is uh, an action word. The Lord, uh, the disciples said, Lord, Teach us to pray. It was, it was an action. It was something that they, they were going to do, not just something that uh, they wanted to just learn about. And, uh, and here, uh, we need to pray. And prayer is the key that unlocks all of the blessings of God. It's, it's the venue that we have. His name was George Mueller. George Mueller was, a, uh, was a, a man that ministered in the 1800s in Bristol, England. And, uh, and as he was ministering uh, in 1836, uh, he and his wife converted their home into an orphanage. There were so many children uh, that, were, that were orphaned and left alone. And there was nothing in society to help take care of these kids. And uh, so they, they converted their home to an orphanage. And in his home he housed thirty little girls. Thirty. Can you imagine? Now think about the old homes. The old homes, they they were all boxed up, cut up, rooms everywhere. I don't know what it was like in the eighteen hundreds, but in the eighteen hundreds they were They were probably small. I cannot imagine him, uh, he wasn't living on a plantation in North Carolina, all right? Uh, This was was a home and uh, just a single residence and he converted it into an orphanage and uh, and the children came and he had 30 little girls and uh, with that, uh, the need just continued to grow and within that first year or two, uh, there were multiple other houses that came available on the street and he was able to get those houses. Purchased, and uh, he converted them into homes and uh, and by eighteen forty six he realized that the great need i mean these houses, every one of them were full uh, with with children. He had some homes with little boys and then uh, a couple homes with little girls and he said, uh, "I need to have a house that is built that will uh, that will be able to house all of these children." And so, in 1845, uh, he that growth continued, and he decided that he was going to get a home built that would hold 300 orphans. 300. Can you imagine, moms? Just think about it. I mean, you're ready to pull your hair out with three. And he had three. He was going to build a home for 300. So George Mueller, he ended up getting this home, and by 1849, uh, the Ashley Down home in Bristol was opened up. By 1870, he had five homes that would house 2,050 children. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the state of a society where there were that many orphans? Left to themselves. And George Mueller, he had five homes. The first one uh, held 300, the second one held 400, uh, the third, fourth, and fifth were all uh, exactly built alike, and they, and they housed 458 children each. And, uh, and this man, uh, he not only was taking care of these children and housing these children, but he had to feed them, he had to clothe them, and he had to educate them. And he never asked anybody for a dollar. He would go to God. And he went to God saying, God, you wanted me to have these homes. And he would come to God for their, on their behalf. And God would put on the hearts of people, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. You know, God uses people to meet his work. He uses his people to meet the needs of other people, and and God would put it on the hearts of other people to support uh, this ministry, and, and people were coming, and these children were safe, they were taught, they were saved, they impacted a nation, but George Mueller was a person that learned to pray. They said it's documented that he would gather the children together, and they would get to the table and thank the Lord for the food when there was not anything in the house. And a knock would come to the door. And a baker was out front who was on his way to the, to the city to sell his baked goods. And the wheel on his cart would break. And there was no way for him to get his goods to, to sell. And he would offer them to this orphanage. You know, God knows what he's doing. You say, wouldn't that be amazing to see answered prayers like that? How many of you would love to see things like that? But we've got to pray. We've got to pray. So here in this passage of scripture, when uh, the disciples are looking at the Lord, uh, verse number one, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, our Father. The word to pray is the, is the Greek word uh, prosukomai, and it's used 90 times in the New Testament. And it is to address a deity, but it's to, uh, to make a request. It's to make a request. So what do we find in this request, uh, this instruction about prayer? Number one, I want you to see access. Access. Number one, Access. What is it? Here we said, Jesus says, when ye pray, say, our Father. Now, how can he be your Father? Because the Lord is saying, when you pray, say, our Father. It all starts with being born again. If your prayers are going to reach the heavens, you need to be a child of God. And how can we uh, have God as our Father? It's through Jesus Christ. And what's such, a, what's such a wonderful thing about that is that if Jesus, if God is my Father, then Jesus has to be my Savior. And so as I trust Him as my Savior, He's not just my Savior, and God is not just my Father. I am an heir of the Father, joint heir with the Son. Joint heir with the son. That means that all that the father has is available to us. Amen. All right, so, so if you knew that your father was uh, rich and your father was a multimillionaire, would you have problems asking him to help you with your electric bill? How many of you look at your electric bill and say, wow, what's going on with this? I could use some help with that. You know, our help shouldn't be to Governor Newsom. Our help shouldn't be to, uh, to uh, some tax advantage. The help, we need to be looking heavenward. Why? Because we have access to the Father. Everything that we need, he has. Amen. You know, if we don't believe that, that's why we look for everything else. You know, it's not the government's job to take care of us. It's God's. If you're His child, He's a good Heavenly Father, He will meet our needs. So that access, we see, first of all, uh, he is the one that has, the the Lord is the one that makes it possible for us to have a heavenly father. John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Uh, And so we are that heir of God. Uh, Romans 8, 16 and 17, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let me tell you, if you are God's child, the Spirit of God dwells within you and confirms that. If you are not, he convicts. Amen. So pastor, I don't have that. Then you're not God's child. I've been in church all my life. I've prayed a prayer. I don't care about that. What, What matters is whether or not the Spirit of God dwells within you. And if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, then you are not His. Amen. There should have been a bigger amen on that. That's doctrine. That's truth. The Spirit of God dwells in the child of God. And the Spirit of God, He convinces us of truth. He convicts us of sin. And He chastens us when we do wrong you know how I finally got the assurance of my salvation I just kept getting beat I mean I I just kept getting chastened the Spirit of God was convicting me of things in my life that I thought oh man other people are doing this how come they're getting away with it I wasn't getting away with anything And the Spirit of God was working in my heart. He was chastening me. I know I'm a child of God because he chastens every son whom he receiveth. Amen. He said, well, I wish he'd quit chastening. No, that right there is a good assurance that you're God's child. So here, what do we have? We have, first of all, we have access. Uh, John chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. I'm not going to, for time's sake, go there. But prayer is an action. It's not an idea. First of all, in the Lord, in this model prayer, we have access. Our Father. Uh, then he says, or we see that there's admiration. Secondly, admiration. He said, hallowed be thy name. What do we, what do, we do when we come before God? We come before... Before God as a child, we come before God honoring Him, recognizing who He is. He is worthy of our praise. You know, why is it that we crave for someone to pat us on the back? Why is it that we want people to see what we do, what we accomplish? You know why? Because we were created in the image of God. And God is a God who is worthy of every bit of adoration, every bit of praise. And here he says, he says, hallowed be thy name. He, this word uh, hallowed is the word hagias. It is holy is your name. Uh, there is nothing that is defiled with your name. Uh, your name represents all of who you are and everything, every part of who you are is good. You are you are holy, sanctified, dedicated, the sacredness of the name of God. Uh, and let me tell you, uh, as a child of God, don't use God's name in vain. Amen. OMG should not come out of a child of God's mouth because you are using his name in vain. And absolutely a curse word. Curse word is bad enough but a curse word that, and then include God in that? Unbelievable. We've got to be, we've got to recognize who it is that we serve. So here in this prayer, and the Lord has given a model prayer. This is not the Lord's prayer. He did not pray this. This was an outline on prayer. And we see, first of all, in this outline, we have access. In this outline, we see that there is admiration. In this, this outline, we see an adoption. Look at verse number two. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. What do we find? An adoption of kingdom principles. Now look at me, look at me. Quit looking at your phone, look at me. Your, your relationship with God should change how you view this world. Our values should be different than what the world's values are. Too many Christians, it's all about this kingdom. God didn't save us to build our kingdom. Amen. It is not about us at all. It's about him. And when we come to pray, we need to realize that if I'm going to enter into a relationship with him, I need to be going the direction he wants me to go. He's not coming my way. She's not even coming my way. I mean, in a relationship, uh, down here, these relationships, there is give and take. But with God, God didn't create us so he could come and be on our page. There needs to be a change of our, our worldview. There needs to be a change of what we value he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Uh, God's will is done absolutely in heaven. Why shouldn't his will be done in my life? Why? Why should my will be done and not his? You see, this area of prayer, if we are going to get answers to our prayer, he's saying, listen, these are things that you need to recognize. We need to realize that 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 relationship, Uh, we need to adopt uh, his kingdom principles, his will, uh, his desires, his preferences. Why is it that we would submit our will to somebody else down here but we won't submit our will to God. You know, you will submit your will to a boss because he holds a paycheck over you. Right? That fear of reprisal would cause you to, to follow whether you would submit to his will. I'm not talking about wrong. I'm just talking about even if you think this should be done differently. You're going you're gonna to follow his way. Why? Because there's fear of reprisal. Maybe it's fear. Maybe we submit because of obligation. We just feel like, well, their choice. And I'll submit out of an expectation, an obligation, but it's so much sweeter when it's out of love well i can't do this because god said i can't lord doesn't like that i i don't want to do that i don't want to hurt him i don't want to disappoint him you know this christian life as we draw closer to him and we get to know him and that relationship is built and grows, uh, it will. we are the one that benefits from that. But here he said, uh, we see that uh, thy kingdom come. That, that's the adoption of kingdom principles. Number four, we find the asking. Asking. Luke 11, 3, give us day by day. Our daily bread. You know, this this world, it's changing, isn't it? Things that seem stable are no longer stable. Patriotism. Man, I just thought America would always, Americans would be patriotic, love our country it's changing there's so much that changes we we change in not only our focus we change in our trust you know just on Friday the second biggest financial bank failure happened on Friday in history the biggest one since the 2008 crash. On Friday, they were talking about runs on banks. Does that sound like something out of history that we've heard about before? The Great Depression? And what happened? All of the security of life was stripped away give us this day our daily bread you know do we trust God for today or do we only trust him when we can't take care of it ourselves you know when Deb and I were in college we're having to pray in our meals we're having to pray in gas in the car man it's a lot easier to live by faith when there's nothing else there but if you go to the gas pump and you really don't have to think about it it's on purpose that you're going to live by faith And I'm not saying that I want us to be in that spot where we are stripped of all of our securities, but it would be better for us if it would cause us to pray. See, that asking... Our resources are not what we should be trusting in. The banks and the 401Ks and the IRAs and the CDs and whatever that bank balance is, our insurance policies, none of that should uh, be what we are trusting. Uh, God said in Hebrews eleven six: but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, our coming to God, us coming to him, asking, he rewards us for that trust, for that faith. So we see access, we see admiration, we see adoption, we see asking. Uh, fifthly, acknowledge Luke 11, 4, and forgive us, Our sins. Now, he is going to deal with somebody else's sins here in a minute. Forgive us our sins. You know, the world is not your problem. The world is not my problem. My problem is the guy I shave every morning. Forgive us our sins. Now notice here, he didn't say, forgive us our mistakes. Well, I didn't mean to. I didn't try to. That's not a pass. When the kids were small, you know, one of them would spill something at the table. And they were just being careless. And immediately it was, well, I didn't try to. And my response was always the same. But you did not try not to. Well, I didn't mean to sin. I didn't try to sin, but I didn't try not to sin. There's a difference, isn't there? Here when the Lord says, You want to have a relationship with God? You want to pray? Own it. The devil didn't make you do it, you did it all by yourself. The devil didn't make me do it. Have you ever had those blue lights behind you? Knock on wood, it's been a while. But nobody made me speed. It was it was mine. I couldn't blame, I could try to blame Deb, but it wouldn't work. We gotta own it. Own our own sin. But for us to own our sin, we have to realize that it's sin. It is an affront against a holy God. He gives us a standard of conduct. We're not supposed to break it. That means that we don't say, Well, I don't see anything wrong with it. It doesn't matter. You know, there was a lot of things that I didn't see anything wrong with when I was a teenager. By the time I had teenagers, let me tell you, I knew what was wrong with it. There was a difference. Let me tell you, our Heavenly Father, He knows. Forgive us our sins. First John 1 John 1.9, He said, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, from all unrighteousness. That word confess is the word homo and it means to say the same thing as God doesn't call our sins a mistake. It wasn't an oops, it wasn't an accident, it wasn't somebody else's fault. God, I sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive us our sins. He goes on. We see that acknowledgement for sin. We see, uh, next, we see that assurance. We assure him, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Everyone. Well, I can forgive this person and this person and this person, but I'm not forgiving them. You You know who it is. Right? 30, right there in your mind. Forgive everyone. God says if you want to have a relationship with him, not only do we need to seek his forgiveness, we also need to forgive everyone that is indebted to us, that owes us, owes us an apology. They didn't say, I'm sorry. They're still doing it. Everyone that is indebted to us. You know, there's freedom when you let things go. There's freedom. And here with that, the Lord teaches us In a parallel passage, Mark 6, 9 to 15, uh, we see that he said, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. What do we find? We find that sowing and reaping works in every aspect of our life. It's a law of nature, it's a law of God. And hear that forgiveness. And so, the Lord said, if you do not forgive, the Lord's not going to forgive you. And that, what is that? Unforgiveness in our life brings judgment, it brings chastening. If God's not forgiven me, he's chastening me for my sin. He is holding me accountable for my sins, my transgressions. I'm not talking about salvation. We don't lose our salvation, but we can lose that relationship. Our kids, uh, they grew up, and as they were growing up, they were kids. And they did things that were wrong. And sometimes they got whooped. And that's still not a bad thing, amen? And here, what do we find? What was it? They were still my kids. didn't change that they were my child. But when they, when they were doing wrong, that relationship was strained. Same thing with our Heavenly Father. That relationship is strained. So we see access. We see admiration all in this uh, this, uh, uh, passage, this model prayer. Uh, We see adoption of kingdom principles. We see asking, acknowledging our sin, assuring that we will forgive. And then we see avoiding and lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Uh, Psalm 119, 105, uh, he said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What is it doing? It is giving me direction so I can see which path to take, but also so I can see what path. Not to take. That's avoiding. Then the lastly, the aspiring. To aspire. Deliver us from evil. You know, you and I are not exempt from evil. Some of you have that bewildered look on your face. Pastor, I would never. Don't lie to yourself. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? You know, there are people that have lived their life in church, raised in church, served the Lord, but are sitting in jail and in prison tonight. People who were honest, god-fearing, you know, it's not it's not only people that have had an evil life their entire time. Broken people make bad decisions. And he, here he said he said that deliver us from evil. You know, we always need to realize we come before God, we need to be honest with God. God, keep me from that. I know I'm, I'm a sinner just like everybody else is. But I desire to be holy. I desire to be what you would want me to be. I aspire to be. To be hallowed, hagias, holy, sanctified, set apart. That's what I desire. So help me. I need you to keep me from me. You know what? There's a whole lot to pray about here that would take more than five minutes. And maybe if we just spend some time, set some time aside. Disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said unto them, When ye pray, we are going to have a prayer time. And we have to set aside time to pray. Prayer, it's not an action. Or it's an action, it's not an idea. It's not something that's intangible. It is something that all of us, from the youngest Christian to the oldest Christian, from the little child to the oldest senior saint, We can walk with God. And he wants us to. He wants to spend time with me. I don't get it. But I'm sure glad he does. And he wants to spend time with you. Now, we go all the way back to that first point. Access. Are you saved this morning? Have you personally accepted the gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ has purchased? He has given us that opportunity, but not everybody has received it. Today, if you've not accepted him, receive him today. And with that, not only do you have Christ as your Savior, God as your Father, you are an heir of the Father. And everything that he has is available to us. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Help us to realize the great opportunity that you give us to pray. Lord, how would our life change if we spent more time with you? How would our homes, our marriage, our family, our child rearing, our counsel, our leadership, every aspect, how it would impact our life? And I pray that you'd help us truly to be a people of prayer. So meet with us now. Help us. And Lord, if there's one that does not know you, may today be that day. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.